you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know what? It is possible to love your work. Yes, it really is. We're going to hear from some people today, their stories about how they do love their work, and from some who have not yet quite made that transition. If you're looking for a way to move into loving your work, stay with us. This is the 48 Days online radio show or on-demand radio show. I love that terminology. You know, I was just recently at New Media Expo in Las Vegas, and of course, it's for bloggers and podcasters. Well, the terminology keeps changing because when you think about it, podcasting really implies that you're listening to something on an iPod. I mean, that was popular for a few years, but we don't use those much anymore. It's transition, and yet the term seems to stick. But we're going to go with on-demand radio. That just kind of leapfrogs over what podcasting was. So we're going to use that term, delighted to do so. Well, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Now, every week I pick out some questions submitted by you, the listeners. We go over those together, both the success stories and also questions about challenges that are pretty typical for all of us, things that we face. I'm going to title today's theme as the heaviness of being successful. Our quotation, we'll unpack that in a minute, but here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, I long to do work that matters, engages my whole being, and profits those around me. Now, some of the questions today are are, are kind of philosophical, this whole idea about shaping your life so that you have work that's meaningful, and I love to unpack those. Here's another one. Dan, I've been inspired to get out of a job that keeps me in an almost constant state of anxiety. Well, congratulations. (laughs) You need to be inspired to get out of a job that keeps you in a constant state of anxiety. Number uh, three here, Dan, I fear my current friends and family will see my business as a joke or just begging. Hmm. And how about this one? Will the 48 days process work just as well for seeking a part-time job as it will for full-time? And then we're going to wrap it up if we get to this one. The granddaddy of them all, Dan, what is success? So we'll get to those, hopefully. Here's the quotation, though, for today. Now, I'm going to set this up a little bit. In May of 1985, Steve Jobs was fired by John Scully, who joined Apple. He came over from Pepsi as CEO. Steve Jobs was fired from his own company. It happens a lot, believe me. I've seen it happen a lot where people bring in um, investors or advisors and all of a sudden they lose control of their own company. But anyway, Steve jobs was fired in 1985. This is what he said. The heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again, less sure about everything. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. Now that was in 1985 In 1986, He bought a company called Graphics Group, a small firm that was responsible for um, some some of the visual effects that had been done like in Star Trek. He paid $5 million for the company. In 2006, Disney purchased that company, now called Pixar, of course, for 
$4 billion. But again, Steve Jobs got fired. That could have been a very depressing period of time. But instead, he said the heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. So if you're going through a transition, congratulate yourself on perhaps being relieved of the heaviness of being successful. You don't really think about it. There really is a lot of truth in ignorance and is bliss. We see people who really have no level of success in their lives at all. Life is pretty simple. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with success at any level. If you're successful in your marriage, it requires a lot of work and attention to keep it that way. Otherwise it'll deteriorate into nothingness and lack of success. So yeah, success does require work and attention and energy. Well, here's some success stories. Jonathan says, Dan, thanks so much for your podcast and work. I've been abundantly blessed in my current job and have seen the impossible become possible in reaching my current position. I know for a fact this was a divinely appointed job for me when I started nine years ago because door after door opened to get me here and that would have been possible for me to open myself. Since I read 48 Days to the Work You Love in June of 2013, my life began transforming again. I've been watching the same type of story play out where opportunities and resources not normally available have been made available. I've always wanted to serve others through my own business. And now that opportunity is right in front of me. I believe this is clearly another divine appointment, but I'm struggling with how I should feel about leaving my current job that I've been so blessed with. Well, Jonathan, I would encourage you recognize we go through seasons in our lives. I mean, just look around you right now. The trees look like they're dead. Ah, but they're not. We know they're not dead. They're just going through a season. They're going through a season of getting those roots deep, getting nourishment from the soil. And in a couple months, they're going to just explode with new growth and color, life and vitality. We ought to see the same possibilities in our own life. We go through seasons. Sometimes we think there's a lot of merit in just keeping things the, the same. But trust me, keeping things the same is not a worthy goal. When I was in college years ago, Joanna and I had in our little tiny trailer just on the campus of Ohio State University, a poster on the wall. And I remember it real vividly. It had a single flower coming up through concrete and the caption on it was growth is the only evidence of life. If something is not growing, we really suspect it's dead. So if we're not growing, guess what? We aren't living. So welcome the things that bring change into your life because that really is a sign that you're alive. Now, Jonathan, in regard to you've got a new opportunity, but you aren't sure how to leave a job that served you well, you're a different person now than you were nine years ago. I mean, take a fresh look at who you are and what you're prepared for now. And that changes. You know, there's an old story I tell often about Akiva, a rabbi who lived in Capernaum and being a rabbi, 
you know, he would study in his little cottage, but then he would go into the little town and get supplies and talk to people. And one day he had gone into town and time had kind of slipped by. He got caught up talking with people and time had gone by quickly. It was getting dark and he realized he needed to get back home. So he was headed back home on the road and, you know, just slowly reciting scripture over and over. Blessed is the man that walked not in the counsel of the ungodly. And all of a sudden a voice rang out. It said, stop. Who are you? Why are you here? Well, he kind of stopped in his tracks. He couldn't really see anything. And he thought, well, that's strange. It sounded like I heard a voice. And he continued walking again, just reciting scriptures. And again, the voice came out of the darkness. Who are you and why are you here? Well, by then he was able to kind of see through the fog as it was getting dark and realized that he was right in front of the Roman garrison. And it became clear that instead of taking the turn to the left to go back to his cottage, he had stayed on the right side. He was now quite a ways away from his cottage. And the voice had come from the guard there. Well, being a rabbi, he answered a question with a question. So rather than just answering the question, who are you and why are you here? He asked the young soldier, how much do they pay you to stand there and ask those questions of all who approach? The young man said, oh, a hundred drachmas a week. He said, I will double your pay if you come with me, stand outside of my cottage, and every morning when I come out, ask me those questions. Who are you and why are you here? See, that's an ongoing challenge. That's not something you figure out once and then you're finished. You know, sometimes we kind of give that impression. We think, well, when you're 18 years old, you choose your major in college. That charts the course of the rest of your life. You never have to think about direction again. Are you kidding me? With the changes that are going on, changes that you go through in your own life that we all do, you ought to ask yourself every morning, who am I and why am I here? Well, great question. But accept the changes, the seasons that come in our lives Welcome those, knowing that that's a positive thing. William says, Dan, I know you're always talking about passion so much so that you wrote a book about it. I came across this TED Talk, and he references a talk with Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs where he discusses, discusses, discusses passion. He says, I really think that it fits right in with your philosophy. Now, some people have have quoted that uh, Mike Rowe piece and said, well, he says that's ludicrous. You know, do you think people that are out in the dangers of the sea, you know, fishing are really following their passion? No, they're doing what needs to be done to make a good living. Well, but, but Mike Rowe talks a lot about passion. And, uh, well, William says, I find this to be very freeing for me where Mike says, you don't follow your passion. You bring it with you, but you don't follow it. And William says, I currently own and operate a landscaping company. I'm passionate about that. However, I have other interests and I like knowing that I can choose another career or business and be just as passionate as I am now. My passion is not tied up in my profession. I can take another profession if the time comes and simply bring my passion with me. Just wanted to write in and share this with you. I thoroughly enjoy all the material you put out. It has helped me immensely. Thank you. Well, thanks for your note, William. I, I love these discussions about passion. You know, passion is not something so much that we discover as it is that we develop. And I think it is true. We start something that makes sense, fits our skills and abilities. We develop passion by doing it with excellence over a long period of time. You know, passion is not just this kind of airy, fairy, feel good kind of thing that sometimes it's made out to be. I mean, look, if you really look at the 
derivation of the word, it comes from the Latin word that means to suffer. I mean, sometimes we, we hear about the passion of the Christ. I mean, it's that time that last week in Jesus's life where he went through a tremendous amount of suffering. It's passion is something where there's intense emotion that compels us to act. That's what it is. And I like that kind of definition that it is, it's a deep, intense feeling that uh, propels us to do our very best in what we're doing. So again, it's not just a light, airy kind of, gee, I feel good when I'm doing this. So I'm going to just follow that, follow that little trail down the rabbit trail down the road. No, it's, it's where we develop an intense feeling about what we're doing because we're doing it well and it is benefiting others. Well, here's another story that comes from Kelly and, um, Kelly says, here's an update. Okay. She says on the November 29th podcast, you discussed my inquiry about requesting the copyright for my 48 page book from the original publisher health Edco. I wanted to turn the booklet into an ebook or interactive iBook. Now I remember that question when it came in and she was the author of some material that was with a publisher. They added illustrations, but then it hadn't been in the catalog for like five years. So it was kind of dormant. And I said, golly, just ask him for it. You know, you're, you're the only prospect for the material. Just ask him for it. Expect to get it really for nothing. Even if they've added other things to it. Well, fortunately, Kelly did exactly that. She said, Edco head health Edco graciously granted me the rights without asking for payment. I'm in the process of crash coursing myself through EPUB courses. So as to proceed correctly, e-publishing is surprisingly complex, but I'm learning quickly. She says, I hope you enjoyed my book. Thanks for your help. Well, thanks for the update, Kelly. That's a great story that you ask. I have had another lady that I worked with recently she had written a book that was beautifully done by guidepost a few years ago and it was out of print. It wasn't around anymore, but it was still a beautiful book and really the core of her message that continues. And I said, well, just ask them for it. Well, she did. And they said that for $8,800, she could get the rights to her book back, all the files and I think it was like 400 copies of the book that they still had in inventory. And I said, well, offer them less than that. She says, well, no, they already told me it's going to require $8,800. I said, well, they can tell you anything, but I, that's dead inventory there. I said, you're the only prospective customer in the world for your book and the books that they have sitting there. I said, offer them something significantly less. She said, well, I'm kind of uncomfortable doing that. I said, look, offer, offer them $4,000. They said they wanted 8,800. Tell them you'll give them $4,000 for the 400 books that they have and all the rights to your book back. She contacted them, said she'd give them $4,000. They said, how soon do you want us to deliver those? It was that simple. And she came back to me and said, geez, I should offer them less. And I said, yeah, you should have. <laughs> but anyway, it's a, it's a great story to know that you uh, got the rights to your book back. Thanks for that. And the other stories you've added in here to let us know that we are the champions. Yes. Love those stories. If you get a story of success, just shoot it in to ask Dan at 48days.com. If you got a question that you want to add or a success story, you can go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, 
and you can submit your question or success story there. Yes, we are the champions. No time for losing. I'll let this finish, this phrase finish. All right. Great old song we love to bring up when we talk about being successful champions here. Well, this comes from Caleb in Michigan who says, I'm a 26-year-old missionary to the Upper Peninsula. I've held ministry and entry-level positions at several organizations across the U.S., but have struggled to find my fit in any real source of income. I'm an idealist at heart, but this seems to leave me feeling like a hopeless dreamer with no real sense of a singular passion, but an angst for what could be. I have a passion for entrepreneurship and leadership with an emphasis in communication and the creative fields, but have no idea where to start. I have an unfinished education with 20,000 in student loan debt. I genuinely feel that I have God given potential and feel responsible for applying these gifts. I long to do work that matters, engages my whole being and profits those around me. I'm unsure how to assess and develop my talents to fit an economic model. Help. Wow. You, you just uh, wrote the essence of a book there. And Caleb, that there's so many great questions in what you ask there. Now, now coming out of a background as a missionary. Now, this is really interesting to start with. I, I did kind of a double take when I read your, your question. I'm a 26 year old missionary to the upper peninsula. Now we always think about you know, missionaries to in Africa or in Ecuador or in Haiti in the Philippines and all these really struggling parts of the world, the upper peninsula. I mean, you live in Michigan, you're talking about the upper part of the state of Michigan, United States of America. It's interesting. Well, certainly we need missionaries everywhere. But when you come out of that kind of background, sometimes it's kind of hard to reframe what it is that you do with an economic model. Now, I've seen this happen hundreds of times with people who really felt a call to ministry. And with that call to ministry, they assumed that they it would be wrong to generate income in any kind of a traditional way. And so they struggle and oftentimes end up desperate, frustrated, angry, and discouraged. Well, what we want and what I talk about in Wisdom Meets Passion, and I'm going to send you a copy of that. I suspect that you haven't had my full take on how to blend your passion with wisdom and create an economic model. But in there, I describe in detail how we can combine our passion, our talent, and an economic model. That's what's necessary. We can know what we're passionate about. You really want to help make the world a better place. You have a talent for encouraging, encouraging people. That's great. How are you going to make money? How are you going to pay the mortgage next month? So you have to figure out how can I create an economic model for that? I mean, if you want to get fresh water to people in the Sudan, how are you going to do that? Well, Scott Harrison has done a pretty admirable job of that with charity water. Scott was a event planner and developed a passion for helping people get fresh water, developed charity water. They now have um, done 9,458 water projects in 20 countries, but he does that through some very innovative events. I mean, my son, Jared has been to some of his fundraising events in like in New York city and they are really high class events and raise millions and millions of dollars. I mean, he's developed his economic model for how he's going to do that. 
But I mean, it doesn't have to be a nonprofit. If you're passionate about landscaping, then find customers who value your skill. I talked to somebody this week who's really passionate about being on the radio. And so now he has a radio show that he's doing. But my question was, that's cool. But how are you going to make money? I mean, you, you can't just do those things that you're passionate about all the time unless there's some method of generating income that goes along with that. So what you can do, Caleb, is go back and just look at what are those passions of yours? What are your unique skills? Then how could you bring those together in some kind of a business or an economic model of some kind where it generates income? You can still do ministry. Wow. Do you think that maybe I feel a call to ministry? Yeah. I mean, we have the opportunity to give supplies, resources, time and effort, coaching to a lot of people who are struggling, you know, just starting to get a fresh start or having gone through some kind of a challenging transition or just coming out of prison. You know, lots of opportunities for that. But do I also have ways in my company to generate income? Sure. I mean, you, there's no secret. We have lots of books, resources, teleseminars that are available that people pay for. We've got live events, a lot of those scheduled, one coming up real quick here. Live events that people come to, pay a lot of money for those. I mean, so it's a combination. It's not an either or. It's not either you're in ministry or you're in business. No, do both. And you'll have the best of both worlds. Well, this question Dan, I recently came across your work and this comes from Kyle. I've been inspired to get out of a job that keeps me in an almost constant state of anxiety. Now this is pretty interesting the way this is framed. Kyle says, I've been in accounting for only five years, but I'm realizing I have no passion for it. I want to start your 48 day program soon. However, I'm in the middle of taking the CPA exam. If I continue to study, I should be able to get my license in about six more months. I've already put a considerable time, amount of time and money into this process. Is it worth staying the course and getting my license, even if I get out of accounting? Or should I forget the license and put my effort into finding my true vocation? Well, first, I would say, sure, go ahead and finish your CPA exam. When you're that close, Go ahead and do it. It'll give you more options down the road. So rather than just, it's like pumping water in the desert. You know, you get the water, it's 30 feet down at this point, having come up from 300 feet down. Don't stop pumping. Go ahead and finish this. It doesn't mean that you're going to be locked into anything. Now that reminds me of when I was getting my master's degree in clinical psychology. I had been out of school for Five years after graduating from Ohio State University, I had worked at a psychiatric hospital, wonderful experience, but decided to go back to school, not because I wanted to become a full-time counselor, but because I just thought it would increase my options for what I wanted to do. And of course, being in psychology, the study was motivated primarily by my desire for personal understanding more so than to create a career path anyway. 
And I think that's true for lots of us, especially in the humanities where, or social sciences where people uh, study because they're trying to figure out their own stuff. Well, that was certainly true for me, but I wanted to go back to graduate school. So started back in graduate school. I had a teaching assistantship, so it was really a great arrangement. And about six months into it, I told Joanne, I said, man, this is a bunch of garbage. These guys, these old guys who are professors are just putting in their time. They aren't energized by the content. They're doing the same things they were doing 20 years ago. I need to get out of this mess. Let's just move on. She says, you know what? We, we sold our car, sold our house. We moved so that you could do this. If you really put your nose to it, you know, in another, almost another year, you can be finished. Let's just go ahead and do that. Then it will at least You'll have that under your belt. It'll open up some new opportunities for you. And that was really great advice, which, of course, is what Joanne typically gives me. Great advice. We had a wonderful time in those two years of uh, getting my master's degree. And I did exactly that. I did not have any desire to become a, a counselor or psychologist or even continue study at that point. But at least I had that under my belt. I worked at, uh, you know, a lot of times when people get their master's degrees, then they uh, struggle with getting their thesis finished and stretch it out to another two years or something. I started my thesis as soon as I could possibly start that get the approval of my thesis committee to start it so that I did all the study, the research, the quantification of results, everything, the defense of that before I got my degree. So it was all confined in that roughly two year period, got that moved on. Then it was another 18 years before I started to work on my doctoral program, but having had my master's in place, it gave me the option to do so, even though it was many years later when I decided to move forward with that. So yeah, anyway, that's kind of a long question, Kyle, but I encourage you go ahead and finish it. I mean, getting a, your CPA is not a small deal at all. And if you're that close, go ahead and lock that in. However, here's the deal. I mean, if I say teacher, the first thing that may come to mind is being in a public school in Nashville, Tennessee with 32 unruly kids in the classroom. But you could be a teacher and be a private tutor for six children of General Electric executives living in Bogota, Colombia, South America. So, so having a CPA license doesn't imply that you have to be stuck in a cubicle on the 19th floor in a concrete and asphalt jungle I mean, you could be a CPA for a developing company like Quirky. I talk about that a lot. Quirky, the, the cool company that is, takes on new product ideas, inventions, and they work with kind of crowdsourcing the talent to bring an idea to life if they get votes that it's a worthy idea. But I mean, you could work with a company like that where you help track new product ideas pouring in and then keep the company on the right track with their own expenses, or you could decide that you're going to help emerging artists and musicians with strategies that minimize their tax obligations. Golly, my bookkeeper and tax accountant you know, come to me with all kinds of creative ideas for things that we can do, especially, I mean, as an example, the way that I get income is very irregular. If we do a live event, there's a big chunk of money and then there may not be anything from a live event for two months. If I get, you know, I get royalty checks from the different publishers, but it, they usually come in every six months. So it's very irregular. So I need some creative accounting principles. And I don't mean illegal, but creative accounting principles to help 
minimize my tax obligations. And you could, you could look, do things like that. I mean, I know as an author that 95% of authors never make more than $40,000 a year. I want to be in that other 5%. So you can look at what do 95% of CPAs do and decide you don't want to be in that group. You know, do what 95% of CPAs don't do and it could open the door to a prosperous and fulfilling life. So, yeah, I would, there must've been reasons that drew you to accounting initially. So I would be hesitant to just throw that out. Don't throw the baby out with the bath. Just look for creative applications of those unique skills. And frankly, if you have a CPA behind your name, it's probably uh, the most marketable skill in terms of financial reward that you have at this particular time, you, it may be the basis of you having great information about how to start your own business. And that business may be developing a software product or developing a new music company. It could be any kind of company, but it still may be the basis for you to develop a company. Well, having that unique skill under your belt. Matt from uh, Wisconsin says, Dan, I recently started your affiliate program and I'm having trouble with who to start sending emails to. I fear my current friends and family will see this as a joke or begging. I find your podcast inspiring. I've read 48 days to the work you love. Would like to spread the word and make a little money also. How do I start generating an email list or where do I go to find a list? I also don't want to be seen as a spammer. I just started as a stay-at-home dad. My website and affiliate program are our way to increase our standard of living. My wife's income pays our bills, and any income I generate would finish paying off the debt in our house. Thanks for all your help and inspiration. My site is daddiesworkshop.net. All right. Well, Matt, we've got kind of a chicken and the egg thing here. You don't start a site just to promote affiliate links and make income. You start a site because you have a unique area of expertise. So this is really a matter of pull rather than push. If you push information out by just buying a list of names and you push information out, it will not serve you well at all. You want to pull. That means you have an area of expertise. If it's going to be, now I looked at your site briefly and it's, it has to do with, making furniture. If it's about making furniture, then offer great information about the weekend hobbyist who may want to make furniture or somebody who may be more serious about it. I mean, I had a furniture maker attend innovate our live event. Um, in one of the ones we had a few months ago, he has been a rich resource of information for me. I've got his card right here in front of me. I just asked him about what kind of sealant to put on Aristotle, the eagle that's carved out of the cedar tree, because I'm concerned about the UV rays darkening the rich colors that were there originally. And I love to have somebody that's so much an expert in their area that I can tap them on the shoulder for unique information like that. That's what you want to do. You want to become a resource for people. They, so that they seek you out for helpful information on a particular topic, become that expert. If it's again, furniture building, become an expert in that niche, draw people in with your value. The affiliate links are just a very casual side benefit. Those are not your primary focus. 
Those are just something that happen to, people happen to see when they're on your site for other information. Now, we have a lot of affiliate links at 48days.com and .net. I mean, you, you'll see things like on the sidebar right now of 48days.net. You'll see that I'm going to be speaking at Social Media Marketing in San Diego. I think it's in March. That's a big conference. Michael Stelzer, great guy, good friend of mine, you know, putting on a conference about how to use social media to promote your business. Well, that's there. It's an affiliate link. People click through and I get affiliate commissions when they register to go to that event. I'll have fun meeting up with people at that event, but I, that's not the primary focus of the website. And I've not emailed anybody about the fact that I'm encouraging them to go to that event. It's just a subtle add-on with other messages being given to people. And most of the messages being given to people is just free information. I mean, that's how that works. I mean, if you look at somebody like Pat Flynn and what he's done with smart passive income, now he's certainly kind of the quintessential example of how to generate affiliate income. He has his income shown, makes between usually fifty dollars and $60,000 a month on affiliate income. So you can go check that out, Smart Passive Income, and Pat has all kinds of tutorials about showing you how to do the same thing. He's very giving, but that's why he does so well. He gives tons of value first. Gives, gives, gives. Helps you know how to start a business, how to run it, how to use social media, how to use technology. He just, he teaches and gives tons of information on all those things. Then he shows you where to get helpful information and resources so that if you're going to do something on your own, you can figure out how to do that. He helps you understand how to do it. That's the way to use affiliate links. Now we have, you know, lots of people who are 48 days affiliates. You can sign up for that easily. Um, golly, I can't tell you exactly the navigation on our site, but anyway, it's easy to get there. You can become an affiliate and just simply promote our products. And every time somebody purchases through that, you get a nice commission check. And we send lots of those checks out every month. I love cutting those checks because those are people who are spreading the word, bringing us business we would not otherwise have. But if you're going to do that, and I, I could go back and check the people who are getting commission checks. Those people are giving value in other ways. They aren't just saying, go buy Dan's stuff. They're experts in their own right and giving useful information in the areas where they are experts. Well, hey, just a reminder here, this, I am going through questions submitted by listeners. If you got a question, I'd be delighted to evaluate it, consider it for inclusion in an upcoming um, on-demand radio show. Got to watch the terminology there. I almost said podcast, but this is on-demand radio at this point. Just go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link, and you'll see there an opportunity to submit your question, or you can just shoot that in to ask Dan at 48days.com. Alan from South Carolina says, I'm 54 years old, left work a couple years ago to take care of a sick family member and to spend more time with my wife who had just retired. I had been in a rewarding field for the past 15 years, but it was burned out. During the time off, I injured my back and now have painful arthritis in my lumbar vertebrae. I'd like to go back to work this year to earn some money and use my gifts in the world, but I don't think full-time work is an option right now with my back problems. My question is, will the 48 days 
to the working law process work just as well for seeking a part-time job as it will for a full-time? Are there any differences or nuances I need to be aware of? Thanks so much. Alan, yes, the 48 days process, I mean, 85% of the 48 days process is to help you look inward to determine what your unique value is. So it's going to help you define what are your unique skills and abilities? What are your personality traits? What are your values, dreams, and passions? Having clarified those, then you can create a clear focus and define what kind of work that would mean. But see, the application of those things you know about yourself takes many forms. I mean, there are people who go through 48 days to the work you love and they get a full-time job, very traditional job. There are people who get part-time jobs, people who find freelance opportunities or become independent contractors or temps or entrepreneurs or consultants. Those are all very legitimate outcomes in terms of work models that make sense, but they're very different work models, very different work models. So 48 days is not designed to force you into just one particular kind of work model. Now, are there opportunities to position yourself? So you do a traditional job search. Yeah, we go through how to do that, but finding part-time work is the process is really no different than finding full-time work. And as a matter of fact, finding part-time work in some ways opens you up to more opportunities than full-time. If you go to a company and say, I am a CPA, as an example, where we we were just talking about somebody who had a CPA license. If you go to a, a company and say, I'm a CPA and I'd like to work with your company 10 hours a week, that's a lot different than saying I need a 40 hour work week. There are, you know how large a company has to be to justify a 40 hour work week for a CPA. I mean, we're talking a really big company. I mean, you have a company that well, companies vary, but you know, really we're talking about a company that's going to be doing four to $5 million a year in revenue to be able to justify having a full-time CPA. I mean, most companies are going to require the full services of a CPA, maybe one day a week, maybe one day a month. So if you have an expert area and you go out and say that you're really looking to be, you don't, you don't even have to say part-time that, gee, you really don't. And certainly you don't want to present yourself as being, well, my health isn't going to allow me to work full-time. So I just want part-time work. No, you present yourself as somebody who's fully engaged, full of energy, vim and vigor, ready to go. And you are looking for an opportunity that would line up with maybe 10 to 15 hours a week. Present yourself in a very positive way, not from a position of weakness, but from a position of strength and a position of unique opportunity for the company to engage you in the very area where you do your best work. I mean, think about it. If we think about a graphic designer, a graphic designer, and I've seen this played out many, many times, graphic designer so uh, is being paid twenty hour twenty dollars an hour, let's say. So that person's making you know eight hundred dollars a week, and uh, the company we look at making a transition. That person is going to make a transition out. 
So they decide that they're going to go do freelance graphic design work and they're going to charge $40 an hour rather than 20, which would be a reasonable kind of move in that transition. You know what often happens? The company they were currently working for says, oh, wow, we'd like to engage you at 10 hours a week. So they're going to spend $400 for 10 hours a week to engage that person. They see that as a positive move ahead, even though the person left their employment. Now, why would that make sense? It's because they're going to have the person do just what they do best as an expert. And they recognize most people who are graphic designers are required to do all kinds of other work. I mean, they're maybe making copy or cleaning or making coffee or cleaning up the, the copy room just as time fillers be, to justify them being on the payroll for 40 hours. So a lot of times people move into a lesser number of hours so that they can specialize on doing what only they can do and what they do best. So position yourself like that. Absolutely. And you can go through 48 days and figure out what that's going to look like for you, what you're going to do and how you can position yourself for part-time work in a very positive move for both you and any company you may line up with. Well, I mean, this, this may be, this may be my last question. This comes from David who says, Dan, if 10 people were asked what their definition of success is, it's very likely that each would provide a rather unique answer. You talk a lot about success and going to the next level of success, but if you were to distill your thoughts, experience and understanding of success down to a paragraph, what would it say? Thanks for being one of my great mentors. You've blessed my life. Well, thanks for your question, David. Wow. That is a great question. And, And you're exactly right. If we go out here and we talk to 10 people on the street and have them define for us what success means, I mean, we're going to have somebody says, oh, success would be making a million dollars. Success would be winning the lottery. Success would be getting my health back now that I have back problems. You know, success would be mending the relationship with my children. I mean, there's all kinds of definitions of success. So, yeah, it's if I were to use one, and let me just... There is one that I use. I mean, I reference it a lot. It's not original with me, but I think it kind of reflects my message. And that is success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. So by that definition, we could have somebody who's a sophomore in high school and that person is successful now because they're in that progressive realization of worthwhile goals. So you don't have to wait on success. A lot of times people see success as something that's going to come, you know, late in life when everything comes together and they have the house paid off money in the bank and are able to go on vacation when they want to, then they're successful. Well, that's, that's kind of a, a short, small version of success. But if we use this model, success is a progressive realization of worthwhile goals, then you can be successful again as a sophomore in high school. You can be successful as you're midway through your college years. You can be successful if you choose to live in Haiti on $10,000 a year and doing some kind of worthwhile work there. That's successful if it's the progressive realization of worthwhile goals for you. So it varies a lot. Personally, now one of the things, of course, I talk to people about their work a lot. 
And one of the things that I tell people is that work must provide the opportunity for spiritual and personal growth as well as financial success. Now, the irony is that if it doesn't provide all three, spiritual, personal, and financial success, there will be a natural pressure to keep the financial rewards low. The search for money alone will always be self-defeating. If we're looking for money as our key to success, it will elude us. I mean, I think about my friend Dave Anderson. He may have heard of uh, Famous Dave's, the great restaurants with barbecue like you'll never experience anywhere else. But Dave Anderson told me years ago, I saw him at a Mark Victor Hansen conference in Los Angeles. He said for years as a young guy, he was raised American Indian, raised very poor, and he would just vow that he was not going to be poor. And so he got involved in all kinds of schemes to make money. And he said, as long as he was just chasing money, it seemed to always just stay out of reach. When he finally gave up on making money and decided he was just going to do what he enjoyed doing, that was making great barbecue. Guess what? Money showed up in unexpected ways. Today, he has foundations for helping other little American Indian kids and pursuing their own dreams and done all kinds of worthwhile things because he's so successful in so many areas of his own life. But for me, success is making massive deposits of success or making massive deposits in seven different areas of my life. There's no one area of my life by which I define success. I want to be successful in family, spiritual, personal development, physical, social, financial, and career. Those are all areas where I want success. I had a poster one time. We used to laugh about it, probably still around here somewhere, but it had a picture of this pretty fine big old house and a stately car in front of it. And on the bottom, it says, my tastes are simple. I want to have it all. Well, I don't want to be ostentatious about that. I don't need it all to be successful, but I want success in multiple areas. I'm not content with success in just one or two areas. No, I want success in multiple areas and enjoy the benefits of that. Well, Hey, I'm going to be, we check out our live events coming up. We got some exciting things coming up. We're just right on top of our first coaching with excellence event of the year. I have one more and then another one in the fall for people who are in the coaching mastery program. If you're interested in coaching, you can check those out. If you're interested in innovate registration is not open for that. That's turned out to be such an outrageous event with uh, people clamoring to get in. We've decided to do it a little bit different. So registration is not open until February 3rd. On February 3rd at 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to open registration, 48 people. That's it. It was challenging for us to, to try to make decisions about who could come and who couldn't. And so we just decided we're going to do it just like getting Rolling Stones tickets or whatever. But February 3rd at 10 o'clock, we're going to open registration 48 people. I'll be telling you more about the details of what we're going to be doing there. We're going to be unveiling the 48 days Eagle, some other awesome things that are going to happen at that event. If you're creative and want to figure out how to put legs in your creative skills and make a difference in the world and make money, you want to come to event. Well, we talked about the heaviness of being successful. Again, our quotation for today came from Steve Jobs, who said, the heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again. 
That was when he got fired. That's how he framed it. The heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again, less sure about everything. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. That's a pretty good place to wrap it up. So this is 48 Days On Demand Radio. Dan Miller, grateful for the connection with all of you. Thrilled to be part of this process where we all are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Yes, it can be all of those. Don't settle for less.